There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to episode number 109 of the Master and Pursuit podcast. This is the podcast that brings you a few things. It brings you workouts where... I record myself doing a training session and you can download it, plug it in and run it as if I'm there alongside you. It brings you recovery rambles where I run easy around the beautiful but right now I'm really wet Epping Forest and talk about something that's on my mind. And it brings you conversations with the elites as part of our scheme to invest in underfunded British elite marathon runners. And today, on Monday, the 28th of November, that's what we've got. In fact, we've got the third part of our four-part mini-series into how hard it is being a marathoner. And in this episode, we're talking to Charlotte Purdue, who's had a difficult summer. We've had a difficult summer at the World Championships and a difficult time at the London Marathon. So we'll hear from her, and we're going to hear all about resilience. But before that, I just wanted to welcome any potential new listeners that are with us today. Any new listeners that might have joined us as a consequence of our appearance in The Guardian last week, in the list of the 26, not 25, not 30, the 26 best free and cheap fitness apps podcasts, downloady things, YouTube-y things, what have you, the top 26 that exist in the whole world. It's a pretty niche list, but that's okay because this is a niche podcast. It takes a particular taste to want to listen to a bloke from Epping Forest trudging around talking to himself, and it might be a bit rustic too in its production quality although I think it's got better I don't listen to some of the old ones for fear of of shame that was pretty cool though there was Adrienne the yoga maestro Cassandra or Cassandra not quite sure how you say that Joe Wicks Strava Nike and me They say you're judged by the company you keep. I'm not sure what it says about any of those other people. But thank you to Zoe Williams who wrote that article, who also kind of gave me the encouragement to keep this thing going in the very beginning, two and a half years ago, with a review of the mindfulness episode, which is episode one. Particularly rustic, but all good from another lifetime ago, April 2020 for the mindfulness, stayed for the rambling, the incoherent rambling of a bloke from Epping Forest, a 
about insurance scams. I've forgotten about that one. It's still a scam. It's funny how your premiums go up by exactly the same amount for the claim you made the year prior, isn't it? My favourite thing that Zoe says in that little article is it's like having a running, running buddy but without having to talk back. That's sort of how I feel too. That I get to talk without being answered back. I can just imagine people disagreeing with me rather than actually having people disagreeing with me. Which is quite nice in this divisive world that we live in. Anyway, there are more rambles in the pipeline. We've finished with our four-part mini-series. But for now, let's get into our, the third part of our four-part mini-series. Let's speak to Charlotte. There is, let's not forget, the fourth fastest female marathoner in UK history. So the last time we spoke to Charlotte was in April time, I think, just after she'd come ninth in the Boston Marathon with a 2.25 run. Probably feels like a lifetime ago now. And that was on the back of a 2.23 in London last autumn. Yeah. So you were in great shape. Looking forward to the World Championships in Eugene and Oregon in July and then potentially London after that. Yeah. But what's happened since then? <laughs> uh, a lot of training and not much racing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, no. so Oregon obviously didn't go to plan. Yeah. Do you want to just let people know sort of what happened? Because I'm not sure everybody fully knows or understands the extent and the story. Yeah, um, so training had gone really well. I was in Flagstaff training for five weeks before. Um, felt pretty fit, ready to go. And uh, went to Oregon um, on the Thursday. And my race was going to be on the Monday. Um, so you're coming that. down from altitude as well. So Flagstaff's at altitude. You've had really yeah. good training there. Coming down to sea level at Eugene just before the race. Yeah, well, the... Um, the protocol for the athletes was to do a COVID test uh, two days or one day before travel. Um, so I did a COVID test, I think Tuesday, obviously it was negative, was able to travel. And um, that was just part of getting your pass to be an athlete. So I arrived in Thursday, negative COVID test, um, got my pass. Um, all the athletes were in university accommodation. So all the teams in like halls of residence so hmm. GB was like on one floor, like Ireland were on another, Norway was on another, like literally all the countries in one block. So all sharing a lift. Hmm. Um, and I remember as soon as I walked in, I thought like, oh, this is a COVID nightmare because just athletes from all over the world. The food hall was like the food was out. So like jam, for example, was just in a pot and you could just like take jam out of the pot and the bread was out and everything. And I just remember thinking like, oh, I hope I don't get COVID anyway. <laughs> went fine um the final few days did all my easy runs like felt fine um and then the race on the Monday I just started running in the race and I just felt off is all I can describe it as I just felt I couldn't go with the pace even at 5k I felt like fatigued and um just terrible like even the coaching staff that were handing me my bottles said at 5k they were like what's wrong with Charlotte because I was like off the pack and I was flat out running like a pace which should be easy for me yeah. um, and I just couldn't breathe like my chest was so tight and I just remember thinking like oh what's wrong like I think I'll feel better in a minute I'll just be going through a bad patch 
um, I'll get into it. So I was, I was telling myself this. I got to 10K, same thing, felt terrible. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll feel better at 15K, get to 15K, feel terrible. And then um, I saw my partner, Adam, he was at 18K and um, he like ran alongside me and he was like cheering for me, obviously trying to be positive, but he could tell that something was wrong. Um, I just looked at him and I was like, I feel terrible, something's wrong. And then I just like stopped and chatted to him for a while. And I just said to him, like, I can't, I can't carry on running for an hour and a bit feeling like this because I just felt awful. Um, and then, yeah, went back to the um, athlete area, did a COVID test, um, a rapid test, and it came back neg- uh, yeah, negative. Um, so I was like, oh, that's weird. Like something's definitely not right. I didn't know if it was COVID or not. Um, I then did a PCR test that uh, later that day um and it obviously took like over 24 hours to come back and actually came back when I was leaving to go home um so the doctor the GB doctor had told me that I had to isolate in my room um because he said you know your rapid test come back uh negative but we think you have COVID so we don't want you to infect the rest of the team so can you just isolate in your room so I wasn't allowed to go in any of the communal areas I wasn't allowed to go to the dinner place so I had to have food brought to my room (laughs) Um, my roommate Rose Harvey she also pulled out but she went to stay with her partner who had an Airbnb so we were like separated Um, and then yeah I was at the airport about to travel home and I got a text on my phone saying you've got uh, COVID and I was like oh great and I also got a phone call from the doctor um, saying that Rose my roommate had COVID as well Um, so I was like oh great so like obviously we both had it I don't know like how we got it or whatever but we both went into Eugene without it and came out with it Um, so yeah just at least for me like it was um, it kind of showed that something was wrong because I knew something was wrong but it's hard to explain to people how you're feeling when you don't have an explanation like everyone wants to know why did you drop out of the world champs and obviously I, I don't just drop out of the world champs for fun but it's kind of like I couldn't explain it. And then as soon as that COVID test came back positive, I was like, oh, kind of a bit thankful because I knew that I was, yeah, something was wrong. And I just had like the worst headache ever for, yeah, like five days. And then, yeah, like I said, I couldn't run because my chest was it's like so tight. That was probably the worst symptoms that I had. I didn't really have a cold or anything. So it wasn't like I was physically ill. But yeah, like we spoke about earlier, when you're trying to run, um, at your best at the world championships marathon you need to you need to be a hundred percent and uh, I definitely wasn't a hundred percent yeah exactly I mean the thing I, I often talk about with people I coach is you to be at your best for a marathon you've got to be razor sharp physically and yeah. razor sharp psychologically and we'll, you know, we don't need to worry about that right now but the physical side of it it often is that people go into a race having had a bit of a cold in the lead up or there's something going on they underperform and then you search for reasons and there is almost always a physiological reason. There's almost always something that's happened and it could be psychological as well, actually, but typically there's something physiological that's gone on that you don't necessarily always discover. Obviously with testing now with COVID, we discover it, right? Because we have to to test. So for you, it's a relief. And Natasha had the same with the Commonwealth Games, exactly the same thing. Didn't have COVID before the race, felt terrible in the race, tested positive after the race. So you get an explanation and often that happens with people that get an explanation down the line, whatever that explanation might be. And you feel better about it, but it doesn't stop the pain of having to have dropped out of competing for your country in the world championships and all the things that go with that, does it? No, definitely not. <laughs> I mean, how do you feel when you drop out and you've got to the point where you know you can't continue anymore? Emotionally, how do you feel? Or how did you feel? 
Um, for me, I just knew I couldn't carry on running. Like there was, I, I probably, I just couldn't finish the race. There was no, like, there's no um, way about like me thinking if I could carry on because I knew I couldn't run for another hour. Obviously it's different if you're running like a 10 K because it's 30 minutes of running, but the marathon being like over two hours, there was literally no way I could run for two hours. Like I wouldn't mm. have made it. So it wasn't a choice for me. I just knew as soon as I started running, I can't run for two hours. I, if it was a half marathon, I probably could have like jogged it in because I was at 18 K. So I would have, you yeah. know, I was running for my country. I would have jogged it in or tried to finish, but there's no way I can run for another hour. Like it's just physically impossible so. so so you're effectively owning that choice right as in it's not really a choice it's something that has you have to do to protect yourself and particularly with respiratory stuff you've got to be careful of me you? because you're putting pressure on your heart as a consequence of, of that and where you go in the marathon anyway is a very deep place that takes time to recover from so if yeah. you know you're off and you're trying to finish you can it's going it could you know set your recovery back weeks yeah, I just, like I said, I just knew that I couldn't finish. So it wasn't really like I had a choice um, because even at 5K, like I said, I knew something was off. So even for me carrying on from 5 to 18K was like a massive struggle. Um, yeah, my legs felt fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that was, it was just like, that's obviously, yeah, I couldn't carry on. So it wasn't really like an emotional choice because although I was really upset about it afterwards, I knew something was wrong. Like I run every day. I know how I feel when I race. I know how I feel when I run yeah. and I knew something was definitely wrong. Um, I think yeah. when you know your body so well, like I just knew that something was wrong. So I was, I was okay about that decision. And then, like I said, when the COVID test came back positive, I was even more okay about it because I knew that, that that was the reason, but having, if I didn't have that COVID test, then I would have done like blood tests because I knew something was wrong with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, because it's about, you know, you knowing yourself that there was something wrong and almost in a position where you want to prove it to yourself that it's not just you. It's not your fault, if you will. You know, it's not it's not you've not not dropping out just because you feel a bit ropey and, you know, it's not your day because yeah. that happens. You know, we, we can have bad days, but yeah. we're still OK and we can still finish. But yeah. This was something different and it's out, out of your control, basically. Yeah. So that on that basis, you feel okay about it, and especially when you get the positive result. But it doesn't stop you being upset. So in the kind of couple of weeks after that, I guess you spent a bit of time trying to recover as well. Yeah. To get over it. It's a respiratory illness. We all know that. It's very, it can be significant. It can take time to over, to overcome it. So your natural default would be to go running, but presumably you didn't do that. How did you cope after the event with the disappointment and the fact that you couldn't run all? And what did you do? uh yeah so obviously like took a few weeks to get over the covid um and then once I felt better again started back training um and I already was signed up to do London so I had that as a like back focus in my mind so it was kind of something to aim for um so yeah just started planning towards that really as if like you know I obviously had to take a couple of weeks off after being ill so it was kind of like if I'd have done the marathon I would have done that anyway so it's kind mm. of back into normal routine <laughs> so I just mm. tried to forget about it and move on like yes yeah, so, so managing the disappointment was that forgetting about it and moving on pretty moving much on to, to the next yeah. thing there's nothing else I could have done like I couldn't go back and change it um I don't know how I got COVID like you never know how you got ill it's obviously very annoying but I can't blame anyone 
Like, I mean, and there's nothing you could have done because you had to stay in the in the in the accommodation, didn't you? So you couldn't yeah. have stayed outside and you couldn't have managed yourself. No, literally nothing. And also, I could have got it on the plane. Like, even if yeah. I was allowed to stay, like in my own hotel, for example, like that doesn't mean I wouldn't have got COVID because I could have got it on the plane at the airport anywhere. Um, and it's actually my first time picking up the whole pandemic, so it was very bad timing. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just one of those things. So I just put, it, yeah, I just can't tried to like crack on with the London Marathon plan really and just get back into it so talking about London yeah. so you've always had that disappointment you've managed you're back into training starting to feel good again I yeah. think about that time so that's, we're now into August I guess and then you've done a couple of half marathons you did the Great North Run and the Big Half didn't you yeah without tapering I think and run 17 yeah. minutes is that right yeah 70 for both yeah yeah so London getting excited you love London it's where you run your best. It's your fastest times. You obviously love the crowds. What's next? What happened? Uh, yeah, just um, got to the hotel on Friday. Felt, felt good. Obviously did press conference on Wednesday. Everything was fine. And then, yeah, just after dinner on Friday, I just said to um, Adam, um, I don't feel great. And he was like, just go to bed early. You'll be fine in the morning. So I went to bed at like 8 p.m., hmm. um, which obviously I never go to bed at 8 um so I was like oh just maybe a bit tired you know all the press stuff and yeah um so I went to bed and then I woke up at 4am just like throwing up everywhere like nice <laughs> terrible <laughs> so we ended up yeah like phoning the doctor and then literally from that point onwards I don't really didn't move for three days and was sick a lot of times <laughs> nice um, so yeah obviously missed the race I couldn't even get out of bed there was like zero percent chance I could have yeah. made any start so that, was sat- that was Saturday morning so you had yeah. all day Saturday to try and convince yourself you were going to be okay oh there was no way like even <laughs> from like between 4 a.m and 7 a.m on Saturday morning I was so sick there was no way even if on at 7 a.m on Saturday I made a miraculous recovery there was no way I could have run a marathon because honestly the amount of sickness that I felt and was like I just I couldn't even move um let alone eat or drink so obviously you're meant to be carb loading the last 24 hours before and I had nothing in me and like yeah I couldn't even get out of bed um so from yeah like Saturday to Monday I was just completely like out of it I don't even remember (laughs) stuck in the Tower Bridge Hotel yeah, we weren't in that hotel. We were actually in Windsor, so I wasn't too far away from my uh, house. Um, yeah, so my mum came to pick me up. Um, and yeah, then I just transferred to my bed for a few days. Um, but like I said, I didn't even get out of bed, nothing. Um, so it wasn't even like I, I didn't even, I couldn't watch the race. I couldn't I couldn't didn't even look at my phone. I couldn't really even it was like three days passed and nothing I didn't like they just passed I don't even know what happened um so yeah I was pretty ill so I couldn't even be sad about the race because it was almost like it was such a blur like it went happened so fast I went from being like in the best shape ever ready to race to like so ill you can't even get out of bed and then the London Marathon happened and I'm like what it happened (laughs) um so yeah now I look back and I'm like that was that was very odd (laughs) yeah that is odd so you and also to be in the best shape ever like the t- I mean I said so life is about timing and the t- your timing this year apart from Boston couldn't have been worse could it you get COVID immediately before the world championships and then you get a sickness bug yeah. immediately before London when you're in great shape yeah literally like well my auntie always tells me everything happens for a reason so like obviously there must have been some reason I was not meant to run London Marathon this year either but um mm. 
I just look back I don't look back and laugh but I look back and I'm like I just don't understand yeah like it's very um it's obviously a very bad timing and um I just couldn't have done anything again like there's nothing I could have done I went to the hotel my preparation was like perfect my training was perfect like just Friday night I don't know what happened but it's like someone flicked a switch and then I was completely I, <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing your next marathon you're going to be turning up to wherever you need to be in like a full hazmat suit oh, I know like, not like, touching literally. anything or anyone that's what my dad said but I don't feel like that's the way to go because <laughs> I mean the only thing I could think is that my immune system is going to be so good after this year because I've had like I even got flu after Boston obviously I had to pull out a vitality 10k um mm-hmm. and I was pretty ill then as well so I think like I've had every single illness that you could have this year. <laughs> um, yeah. so my immune system is going to be boosted for next year. So, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case anyway. <laughs> do you, I mean, on that, do you think there's a, there's a relationship between the fact that you've been training well, training hard, and your immune system potentially being slightly depleted as a consequence of that, that means you're more vulnerable to getting illness at that point in the cycle? Or do you think it's just coincidence and luck and bad luck? Uh, I think a bit of both I do think when you're training so hard like everything's on the edge like you're on the edge of like injury probably you're on the edge of illness and like you're obviously like I push myself so hard in training um, that when I get to the race I'm like ready to go I couldn't have done any more training so I know like I'm 100% all in um, mm. and it just takes something so small for you to pick up a tight a small illness that might not affect someone else but Mm. um for me it's like obviously six days of sickness because yeah like your body's so on edge ready to go um so obviously I do but there's nothing you can really do about that I guess because you can't tell you're going to pick up an illness like from a door handle or something it's just like impossible to tell um it's just I think a bit of bad luck and timing really it's all I've done to yeah yeah and I mean obviously we are vulnerable in those in those times just before races but absolutely you can't can't control everything so there is bits of it that are going to get to you and you know you've controlled what you can with your training you're just not yeah. able to control your con- your condition on the day and like i said earlier it's, there's always something that leads to underperformance or in your case not getting been able to get out of bed for three days so uh that was disappointing too right yeah very <laughs> and it's been a month ish since London and what have you been doing since then um just trying to feel normal again really um like I said obviously getting over a disappointment and also just the illness it took a lot out of me um so I just needed to yeah get back to feeling like myself like a normal human before I started back training again because I didn't even feel like a a person for a few days (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I thought that was the end honestly I don't think I've been so sick ever so like I just needed to get back to feeling like a normal person and then I could think about running again. Um, but yeah, I, I feel, I feel pretty good again now. So I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> good. So you took some time off and yeah. you're starting to run nice and easy to start with and hoping to pick up into sessions and what, to what extent have you started planning the future? Um, yeah. So I've been back in doing sessions this week. Um, to be honest there's like not really a rush for me to get I've obviously done two marathon build-ups this year that haven't gone well without a race so I know that they're in the bank which is pretty good feeling because it's always good to have good training banks without any injuries so at least that's one thing like I haven't had any time off this year from injury um so that's still like a positive that I've been able to improve in training so I know 
that like next time I do a marathon build up, I'm already at a better level from those mm-hmm. two build up. So I'm not too sad about that because it's not wasted. Yeah. But obviously I haven't got the race to prove it. But yeah, for planning, um, my coaches kind of just like left me for a few weeks because he knew like obviously I wasn't 100 percent he just told me to contact him when I w- I'm ready to like train properly again so we spoke earlier this week and he set me a few sessions um but in terms of races I don't have a firm plan yet because like I said he just wanted me to get back to feeling normal <laughs> again. yeah and how do you feel about that because you obviously you are driven from cycle to cycle and there's there's world championships next year as well and the following year there's the olympics and your life is is punctuated by these big events and the the timings of them so not having something to really focus on and think about does that lead to confusion for you or are you comfortable with that given that you've been ill Um, yeah i think because i've had two disappointments this year and like my big aim after the world champs was london didn't really have another like big focus so I'm kind of okay with it because it's not like I don't feel like I'm missing out because I didn't have anything for this year. Obviously I have goals for next year, but they they're still goals for next year. So I don't feel like I need to rush to put anything in place to make up for what I've already lost because like I said before, the big the big positive for me is the two marriage I can look back at the two build ups and I know that I've improved so much. Like even if I compare it to before I got my PV, my sessions were so much better. And I've improved. So I know that that's like in the bank and you don't you don't just lose that from having a week off from being ill. So yeah. um, I know next time I do my marathon build up, I've already got that like ready. So <laughs> I feel a bit content that, yeah, now that I feel better, I can plan. But I don't need to like squeeze something in just to make up for. Make yes, up for it. exactly. You don't need to go into kind of redemption mode of trying to <laughs> prove anything. And also you're talking about the two bad races or two races that never really happened for you in the two training blocks we had a third one which was for boston which did go really well that wasn't so long ago we, we joked earlier that it felt like a lifetime ago because so much has happened since then but actually that was only six months ago and you've got that as well and a 225 at boston as we know is probably worth more than that at on a flat course yeah and also um like before boston i obviously did the new york half that went pretty well i was sick there and I paced Nagoya women's marathon to 30k at 220 um, marathon pace and I felt pretty good doing that and then I raced in Australia in the 10k and came second so I did have some good races this year obviously even like the great north run and the big half I was like going into those half marathons I was running like 100 mile 100 plus mile weeks so I know that like running 70 minutes on real tired legs like that that was a step forward because I wouldn't have been able to do that two years ago Mm. Um, and obviously they were back to back as well like one weekend after another so I think like I have raced a lot this year um, more than I ever have and I think I've also not been injured I'm touching wood <laughs> but yeah. I usually pick up like an injury or a niggle and I have literally had zero of them this year so that's another bonus like I know I have been ill so it's something else that stopped me from running but yeah like I said before I've got to take the positives <laughs> yeah and, and I would call that reframing so you can go look at the negative picture and go oh it's miserable I've messed up two races with things that were outside my control how unfair is that or you can go exactly what you've done which is reframing it to I've got two training blocks where I haven't had to do the arduous bit which is the race which takes ages to recover from and risks injury so you haven't had to do that and those two blocks are in the bank and you know how good you are now so next time you can either go harder or at least do where get to where you were pre-London again yeah and um, and get yourself going and that reframing is something that I think is really important when 
we and it's about adaptation really is that adapting your mindset to the adversity so and that's what resilience is you come it's not just coming back from disappointment it is actually no how do I reframe my mindset to know that there's some positive to take from a difficult situation that I'm going to use again in the future which it sounds like you're going to do yeah definitely good work <laughs> Thanks. I like it because it's really I mean the, the reason that's so important I think for you and anyone in your position i.e. an elite athlete is that it's it would be easy to get beaten up by it but especially around the marathon because it is so hard to nail a marathon and you get so few opportunities to do it yeah if when you have a series of disappointments it'd be easy to throw the towel in and just go this is just too hard i train relentlessly i i dedicate my life to my training and my racing and then not to have the opportunity to prove your quality as an athlete in a world championship race and then the london marathon which is obviously highly visible is a is a real disappointment so to be able to come through that i think is is brilliant <laughs> hopefully coming through that yeah I feel like um obviously did have a few days where I was like this is just terrible and I don't feel but like I said before when I look back I think I couldn't like literally couldn't have done anything different so I can't be mad about it because what could I have done it's not like I went to a party and picked up COVID the day before the world champs and it's not like I ate a dodgy curry the night before around the (laughs) marathon like there's literally nothing I could have done differently so I I'm like content because well not I'm not content obviously I didn't race but I'm content with my like training and how everything went and I couldn't have done anything different so that does make it a little bit easier to accept I guess it's just like I said bad luck and very bad timing yeah and an example of how hard it is to be an elite marathoner (laughs) yeah (laughs) because to the outside world obviously you know you know yourself well but you you to the outside world it would look like oh Charlotte's not done London she's not done the world championships where's she gone and go well hang on a minute she ran 225 at Boston in April 223 in London a year ago she hasn't gone anywhere she's just had two bits of bad luck yeah and I think it is obviously like highlighted when it's your job and that's exactly what you do and stuff but yeah even if I'd have just done Boston this year and then not done anything for the rest of the year I still would have been happy with the year so the Mm. fact that I did try and do two other marathons like and obviously they didn't go well but like I said like Boston did go well and even if I couldn't have done another marathon this year I still would have been happy with how this year has gone and last year definitely um and even like the first half of 2021 I didn't race because I was coming back from niggles and like illness and stuff then so like the second half of 2021 was really good but the first half was terrible so this year I've just kind of like flipped it around yeah um yeah it's it's just hard like when it's um your job and it's like day in day out you're pushing your body to the limit um yeah it's just hard balance I guess it's a hard job I would say <laughs> it's a very and, hard job yeah. yeah marathon running is hard anyway to, it's but fun to make but it, it's a very hard job <laughs> yeah but to make it your job like yeah okay good luck but thank you I really appreciate your sharing so much there I know that some of that's quite difficult you don't you seem to be in a much better place now maybe we shouldn't have done this two or three weeks ago you perhaps weren't in such a good place physically or emotionally but I'm glad you are and good luck with getting back into training thanks so what I think you get a sense of there is how hard it is when you make being a marathoner your job but I also think you get a sense of the importance of positivity as you go about that job. 
there is no doubt that through that period, particularly immediately post the World Championships and the London Marathon, that things were difficult for Charlotte. She could be easily forgiven for going into dark places. Sounds like physically she was in quite a dark place, but mentally really. And putting all those hours in, all that effort, the travel, and it all effectively comes to nothing. Certainly as the, the viewing public, the spectators, and as your participation in the competition is concerned. But positivity is important because because we expect it in social media, we expect people to shine a light on us all and inspire us all, people like Charlotte in particular. And social media is important for athletes like Charlotte because of because of the role of sponsors. And they don't want to be associated with negativity either. So that poses an interesting challenge. It's also important to be honest for selectors so they can be clear about why things didn't work out because they will form opinions, make judgments for future events. So it's a really difficult balance to strike. But it's actually much more, more than that. Positivity is a necessity for the for performance, for the actually doing the job. The reframing that I talk about in the episode is a necessity. And you've got to be able to be positive, to get out the door, to crack on with the training, and it's hard. Long weeks, lots of hours of training, and to keep going block after block after block, year after year after year. You have to be positive. Because what's the alternative? Well, the only alternative is negativity. And that's just corrosive. Just brings you down. Brings other people down, but brings you down. So the reframing that I spoke of is essential. And you could argue that a lot of that is post-rationalisation. It's looking back and going, well, things happen for a reason, and this is the reason, and there's nothing I could have done about it. All the things that Charlotte was saying, really. And you could argue that, that is post-rationalising how you actually felt at the time. I would call it reframing. And I would call it the cornerstone of resilience. And resilience is a subject of a recovery ramble. Episode number 71. And in that, when I talk about resilience, it's not about the bouncing back from adversity. That might be the outcome of resilience, but it's not, that's not what resilience is. Resilience is adapting to new circumstances. In Charlotte's case, the lack of racing. Certainly, the, the marathon racing. It might be adjusting your goals, whether they're time-based goals or events you want to do. Adjusting them in the face of change is how you stay on track, it's how you stay motivated, how you stay positive, how you stay energetic around your craft. And then of course, resilience is about adjusting how you feel, recognising that feelings can be changed, they can be overridden, 
It's not easy, but we can adjust how we feel. And it's important, I think in Charlotte's case, that she does and has and looks forward and thinks of our two brilliant training blocks, our two brilliant races before that in London last autumn and Boston in the spring. Next time I'm ready to go, I'm going to fly. No niggles, no injuries. I'm ready. And of course that's what she's done and that's, that's what makes her particularly strong. And why I think we can be confident that two bad races through circumstances out of her control don't make her a bad athlete. Quite the reverse. The resilience and the training has gone into it will make her an even better one. So bring on 2023. There's no doubt in my mind that she'll be back faster and fitter. So that's enough for me this time. The fourth part of our four-part mini-series, which therefore equals the final part, is with Tish Jones. And Tish has really suffered across the course of the last three years since her qualification for the World Championship Marathon in Doha in 2019 in Qatar. Timely and relevant, of course, that with the World Cup being there right now. But we'll hear a little bit from her about, about how she's getting on. But in the meantime, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you haven't, I hope it's helped you get some sleep. I look forward to speaking to you soon and please take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.